Dissecting Dexter is brought to you by Audible.com. For your free audiobook download and free trial, go to www.audibletrial.com slash Dexter. Hello there, welcome back to Dissecting Dexter. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, coming to you, as always, from the mobile studio deep in the heart of rural North Yorkshire, England, where we are in the middle of summer, and it, we've had some glorious weather. The last week and a half has been fantastic. We got away, since since I last spoke to you, we had a couple of nights camping uh, up near Scarborough, um, new campsite we've not been to before, but we were allowed a, um, a campfire, which was awesome. Um... I don't know what it's like in North America. I guess you're able to have campfires without any trouble at all. But here, campsites, they just don't like you doing them. Um, but we found a couple now, one in the Lake District and one here in Yorkshire, that um, that do for a small fee. And it's brilliant. It really adds to the camping experience. And we've got some marshmallows going and it gives you some warmth so you can sit up into the small hours. Uh, or oh, I took a bottle of... What was it? What was it? I took blueberry vodka, homemade blueberry vodka, because <laughs> I'm into making my own fruity spirits. Um, I'm not sure I've mentioned slow gin before that I, I make. Um, what else have I got at the moment? Damson gin. I've got blackberry gin and blueberry vodka, which is fantastic. Um, we've got some strawberries growing in the garden. I'm going to do some strawberry vodka this year. So looking forward to that. Anyway, so yeah, really good weekend camping. And uh, this episode, the second episode of the final season, came round very quickly. It was Thursday afternoon when I uploaded the episode, the last week's podcast, which gave me sort of one day off, really, <laughs> factoring camping. Um, and I'm a little bit behind again this week, as I put on, I think I put it on the Facebook page and on Twitter. So apologies, yeah, a little bit later than planned uh, i guess it'll be late thursday or more likely friday when i get this uploaded i mean when you get hold of this podcast you'll already know you'll be a step ahead of me <laughs> you'll know when i've uploaded it um so dexter has wrapped um well by the time you hear this it's july the 10th as i record this now and yeah the final day of shooting they had the last day of shooting in the studio yesterday uh, Jennifer Carpenter tweeted a photo of her and Michael C. Hall, uh, which she said she had to quite heavily crop. <laughs> I guess the background was maybe a little bit of a giveaway about um, whatever scene they were shooting at the time. Uh, so, uh, well, draw your own theories from that. Um, and yeah, so the end of an era today, I guess it'll be quite an emotional time on set for cast and crew alike. So, let's not beat about the bush too much this week, because I did go for about ten minutes in the intro last week, so I'll spare you that now. And let's dive straight into Season 8, Episode 2, Every Silver Lining, original air date, 7th of July, 2013, written by Manny Koto and directed by none other than Michael C. Hall, directing his first ever episode of Dexter, Congratulations, sir. <laughs> Here we go with the review. Mm-hmm. 
interesting episode, this. Themes of trust, responsibility and descent. That's D-E-S-C-E-N-T, not D-I-S-S-E-N-T. <laughs> um, all in equal measure. Incidentally, the episode title, Every Silver Lining, it seemed an unusual one. And after watching the episode, I wasn't immediately sure of the connection. So I googled the phrase and found a Wikipedia page referencing a proverb, every silver lining has a cloud. Obviously the inverse of the more common phrase, every cloud has a silver lining. It basically means every good situation has the potential to turn bad. I suspect this is a reference to the situation between Vogel and Dexter, although, of course, she did say these three words in the episode in relation to people in society with psychopathic traits. But the situation between Vogel and Dexter, yeah, she, she offers an insight into his past, which is fascinating and potentially great therapy for him. She also offers an ear of someone who knows his circumstances, knows the way he operates. Potentially a good situation, right? Maybe. Maybe not. We know Dexter doesn't have a great track record with people he lets get close to him. And with what transpired through this episode, Vogel is being established as someone who might have darker qualities. Maybe a darker agenda. Hence the episode title, but I'm not convinced that she will be bad. First, though, let's look at Dexter's storyline this week. What happened to our favourite serial killer? <laughs> I, I really appreciated the opening videos of Harry speaking with Dr Vogel back in the day. And I'm glad they cleared up the query of why Dexter didn't remember her. They never met, of course. Dexter never knew of her existence, and as we expected... Harry came across Vogel through a serial killer case, and it sounds like they were just friends. He trusted her with his darkest secret, and it was really touching to see some emotion from him over the, the dilemma he faced over his adopted son. Now, I don't think we can question whether he loved him. The emotion we saw speaks volumes. It was fascinating to watch Dexter's reaction to these videos. He was captivated. He recalls the time Harry's talking about. A murder scene that sounds like it was inspiration for a ten-year-old boy. Shocking to learn that about a child, but there it is. We already knew he'd harboured dark thoughts and urges from before that. I love the nod to the bloodslides when Harry held up the shard of bloodstained glass. That little memento there serving as inspiration for what Dexter would keep for trophies in the future. Vogel went on to explain her influence on Dexter's life, and it's no small one. She helped create the code. She thinks of herself as his spiritual mother. Quite a profound thing to say, but you can sort of see where she's coming from. What chilled me in this opening scene is her lack of any guilt or remorse for setting this boy on a path to bringing death to so many. Like, it's alright that these victims are all killers themselves and deserve it. She seems to have no moral qualms about it at all. Remember when Harry witnessed the fruits of the code firsthand? He threw up and it probably led to him taking his own life, unable to live with the guilt of what he'd done. But here's Vogel, cool as a cucumber, 
proud to be Dexter's, Dexter's, quote, spiritual mother, proud of the code, and proud that their plan, her and Harry's plan, to channel Dexter's urges actually worked. So, she's trying to bond with Dexter and earn his trust, and she wants a favour. I had to smile because in the Season 8 preview podcast we discussed whether the brain surgeon killer would have a link to Vogel, perhaps an ex-patient, and lo and behold, the killer is reaching out to her, and she thinks he could be an ex-patient. Of course, through the episode we find out that this may still be true, although at the same time, Vogel herself is being positioned as someone to perhaps be a bit suspicious of. Her demeanour, the things she says to Dexter, that hug at the end, it's all... It's all a little much, perhaps, but I honestly think this is too obvious. It is possible she's coercing people into doing the killing before she removes part of the brain, but these kills we've seen require a fair bit of physical strength. How did Sussman end up suspended? It looked like he was hung from a hook or something through his back. How did he end up like that at the cabin? Could she have done that herself? Or did she coerce someone else to help with that bit? My gut is telling me that she can be... that she can be trusted. She's all right, despite the hints of doubt being sown. As an aside here, I like Dexter doing his own side investigation and staying one step ahead of the official one. This too, I felt, was a nod to previous seasons and classic Dexter, hiding evidence to use for his own ends still being in the house when the police arrive, that kind of thing. I did think it stupid, though, when he went to the cabin and pulled right outside with his lights on. <laughs> if Sussman had been a crazed psycho killer and still alive, he'd have had ample warning to get ready for a visitor. Not good fieldcraft, Dexter. I bet we get some feedback about that one. I'm betting Travis has something to say. <laughs> At least Travis. But back to Vogel, what I do find fascinating is that she keeps making references to ways in which Dexter deviates from the classic psychopath template. A sense of justice, the point about people like Dexter not normally seeking emotional connection. Neither of these are psychopathic traits. Dexter's been seeking emotional connection with that special someone for as long as we've known him. That they're making such a point of this... It's making me wonder if, through the coming episodes, Vogel will suggest that Dexter may in fact not be a full-blown psychopath at all, and could in fact be capable of coming out of it, being cured. Whether it's possible or not, I don't know. But it's perhaps a direction they could take their story together. I have to say, I am enjoying Charlotte Rampling's performance so far. She really brings a touch of class to the role that helps bring the character to life and makes her more credible. So, the brain surgeon left another two victims this week. I like the setup in the skate park. The scene reminded me of the ice truck killer victim in the season one pilot. I did think the plastic bag hanging a few feet away was a bit obvious and convenient, but then that's undoubtedly deliberate by the killer. He, or she, wanted the police to find the fingerprint, leading them to Sussman and his cabin. 
No one would leave both murder weapons close by to both bodies without wanting them to be found. I do think we're meant to suspect that Vogel has more to do with this man. In fact, more to do with these murders than she's letting on. You know, part of me is just hoping, hope upon hope, that Vogel being the killer isn't going to be the big reveal. I've got to give the writers, the writers more credit than that. But, at the risk of bringing back painful memories, remember how plenty of viewers had no clue that Geller was dead in season six. So maybe there'll be plenty now who just take Vogel at face value. I'm holding out on her being who she says she is and just wanting to help Dexter. Nothing more. No sinister agenda. The bit at the end did feel weird, though. Vogel sounded very genuine and convincing. It's possible she's got psychopathic traits herself and excels at lying and manipulation. I think... I think she just has some great professional and personal pride in how Dexter's managed to survive by following her and Harry's code. Could she be manipulating him? We're meant to suspect so, I think. At the end there, Dexter's feeling confused. He got it wrong about Sussman. He feels that, in the past, he's always been so attuned and sharp. We'll overlook his blunder in season four in that regard. But now he's feeling off his game. Not the same anymore. What you're feeling now, it's not because of the killer. I've destroyed Deb. She's gone. You were wrong about me. I'm a mistake. You're exactly what you need to be, Dexter. reassurance and Vogel gives it to him. The sense of the conversation is almost like a mother and son and when she put her arms around him I cringed but at the same time this could be something very good for Dex. I mean he's lost Deb, his previous rock. He's lost himself. He, he bears and feels the responsibility for destroying Deb who she was, turning her into something else. It weighs heavily on him, as it bloody well should. It would be very human of him to latch onto this woman who, while she might not be a psychopath herself, or even someone who exhibits psychopathic traits, she does have a deep, profound understanding of who he is. You could view it simply as a connection thing again. Whatever. I think we'll see Dexter get more involved with her, more attached. You made me compromise everything about myself that I care about. And I hate you for it. I shot the wrong person in that trailer. You're listening 
to dissecting Dexter. I shot the wrong person in that trailer. Deb and Dex had some interesting interaction again this week, but before that I quite enjoyed the detective storyline. Her and Elway going to Briggs's house had a kind of procedural procedural feel to it that we don't usually get on Dexter. Her getting all snippy with Elway in defence of LaGuerta was plausible and a nice touch. It's all still pretty raw. At the storage unit later, you just knew the hitman would be waiting for her to find the swag. But wasn't that fight brutal? <laughs> she got thrown around like a rag doll and took a crap ton of kicks. No wonder she was so badly bruised. She certainly had some fight in her though, didn't she? But she did seem to be goading him into beating her up. I mean, she could have just stayed down and let him go away with the jewels, you know? She's still wanting punishment, isn't she? Nice touch with him having his own code of sorts, not killing anyone unless he's paid to do it. It would have been easy to kill her right there and then, but he didn't. But of course, the plot thickened when El Sapo turned up murdered in his car. I really hope Deb hadn't been the one to do it, but she did. She was. She claimed she was in a rage from the beating, and she certainly allowed it to control her. The restraint she'd have shown as a policewoman, long forgotten. It's a slippery slope, and arguably, the more people she kills, the, e the easier each next one will get. But she wasn't pleased to see him, was she? Dex, when he came to her house. And she lied to him, or at least hid the truth. He's understandably worried about her. Will you not do this, please? What? Give a shit? Deb, I'm your brother. You can hate me if you want, but it doesn't change the fact that I care about you. I didn't want to hate you. I wanted the opposite. It didn't work out that way in I can't change the way I feel, son. Will you, will you go, please? I'm not leaving you. Jesus fucking Christ, Dexter, get the fuck out. I'm gonna say it. I am. I am. Poor Deb. <laughs> she still has feelings for him. Maybe she couldn't really, truly hate him if she tried. Part of me really wanted Dexter to give her a hug there, but, of course, that wasn't going to happen. That'll come later. I'll predict... Episode... 7. <laughs> Whenever. There's definitely a spark of hope for their relationship now. In some fashion. But Dexter's shocked when he finds evidence that points Deb as the shooter. She committed her second murder. Bit of a surprise for Deb to appear in Miami Metro, although we find out she's gone at Quinn's request. Matthews gave her some grief about walking out, but it was nice to see her get a cuddle from her old colleagues. I did love Masuka's comment. The chat she had with Quinn in the interview room. Did anyone else think the coffee cup was far more prominent than it needed to be in the scene? As they were talking, it was right there in the foreground. Like, 
Chekhov's coffee cup. <laughs> All I could think of was, blimey, that hot coffee so obviously placed in the foreground. Maybe it means something. <laughs> Maybe it's going to come into play in a moment, but it didn't. So there we are. <laughs> Deb got those flashbacks as Quinn described their theory of what happened. And I liked how they depicted those flashbacks with a sort of juddery vision. That was a nice touch. You see, she wasn't drunk. She hadn't been taking drugs, as far as we know. She'd been beaten up and was maybe groggy, but she can't blame what she did on anything but pure anger. It's a disturbing turn for her. With LaGuerta, she was protecting her brother and making a snap decision under pressure on the spur of the moment. This time she'd have had time to think about it, sitting there on the floor, feeling battered and bruised. She elected to go after that guy. Was she protecting anyone? She could have let him go. Got his license plate? Uh, something. <laughs> she didn't have to kill him. She and Dex have another interesting conversation in one of the best locations I've seen on the show, that narrow space between those two buildings. It makes for such an intimate but claustrophobic scene and reminded me of some of those great conversations we had last season. And this time, Deb says something pretty disturbing. What if I weren't here to cover your ass? Do you really want to play the what-if game? What if you weren't a serial killer? What if Harry had left you in that fucking shipping container? That's enough. You know what? El Sapo's not the first person that fucking shot Dexter, and he may not be the fucking last. What's that supposed to mean? Anything can happen in this hellhole that is now my life. You're gifting me, Dexter. She's right. Whoever Deb was before killing LaGuerta, that person is dead. I just wish I knew what's taken her place. It's not good, is it? There was a spark of hope there when they spoke in her house, but I think it feels that any reconciliation is still a long way off. She is upset, traumatised, she's angry... She could say anything for dramatic effect to him. So I don't think we can be sure she meant that about shooting someone else, but it's certainly possible in her state of mind. But we all say things we don't mean sometimes when we're angry, so who's to say? But Dexter's prepared to help her with her gun found in Sapo's car. I did smile to myself in a very childish way when Dexter put his piece back in his pants. I heard a little masuka giggle go off in my head. <laughs> From being a washed-up, deadbeat drunk last year to suddenly being sergeant material. Quinn? You've got to question Batista's judgement when he was all ready to have him kicked off the force not so long ago. Now he thinks he could be a suitable sergeant for his department? I know he's thinking of his sister to an extent, but even so. But... To be fair to Quinn, he's not shown any of the bad behaviour from the last season or two, so far. So, maybe he's turning things around. Good luck to him if he is. I did appreciate him still being mindful of Deb's well-being. His look across the bar to Deb in the car later on. It was interesting. Does he still have feelings for her? Or is he just sympathetic to her situation? At least as far as he knows her situation. Now, Quimmy was under stress this week. Yes, I'm going with that word. 
Quinn didn't help things by making certain racially loaded statements or by mentioning Deb. Jamie's obviously noted how he's showing signs of him still being hung up on her a bit. She's quite reasonably pissed off about it. Nice to see a little fire from her, and I had to chuckle when she went back inside and we saw Beaster, Bit Beaster, <laughs> Beaster, Batista, uh, sitting back watching a Spanish soap on the TV. Now, question, and probably quite an obvious one, do you think they're setting up Deb and Quinn for getting back together? With her new outlook on life, her new, maybe temporary, I don't know, it's not looking temporary at the moment, <laughs> her new persona, maybe she'd be better suited to him now. I don't know. I just want her to be happy. <laughs> so... Generally, a solid, slow burn this week. Different in many ways to the setting up of previous seasons, but I really like it. I have no problem with a slow build, as long as it pays off. I'm sure I'll think of more to say as we go on, but I'll need your help, so let's embrace that now with your feedback. Listener Feedback Alright, we start this week's feedback with some comments that came in uh, since last week's podcast but before episode 2 uh, so talking about matters arising from episode 1 uh, first one is from Michael Williams who emailed to say, The scene when Harrison breaks LaGuerta's vase harkens back to the series pilot. Dexter's, Jesus, Harrison, look at what you did, recalls the opening kill scene in the pilot when Dexter tells the choir director, Open your eyes and look at what you did. I'm not sure there's any real significance to it, possibly the writers foreshadowing something bad awaiting Harrison, but it couldn't have been an accident, given the tone of Hall's voice. By the time episode 2 airs, I'll probably have changed my views, but it seems to me that season 8, the final season, has to be about the reconciliation of Dexter and Deb, who have had the central relationship throughout the run of the show. I suspect Dexter will do something by the end of season 8 to redeem himself in Deb's eyes, perhaps at the sacrifice of his own life. Thanks, Michael. Those words of Dexter's there with the vase, they resonated with me too and reminded me of that classic first kill of the series. And as you've already heard in this podcast, I'm also foreseeing an arc of reconciliation between Deb and Dex. And it could be Dex ends up sacrificing himself for her at the end. Another email in between episodes, Ari the Invincible emailed in, and he says, I believe that this season Dexter will discover that he was made into the monster he has become, in large part through Dr. Vogel's misguided intervention in his young life. Rather than helping to cure him, she mentored Harry in the creation of the code and made it easier and acceptable for Dexter to survive as a psycho killer so that she could see Dexter develop into a fully realised adult psycho nutjob. Obviously putting it technically there. <laughs> Basically... It appears that she enabled and encouraged the craziness rather than attempting to cure it. Dexter will realise that her meddling has ultimately resulted in his becoming more rather than less entrenched in his mental illness with disastrous results. 
he has alienated his adopted sister and lived a life devoid of real connection, except to the similarly fucked up Hannah. We, along with Dexter, will come to view Dr. Vogel as the destructive mad scientist whose crazy theories have ruined Dexter's life. She will be the biggest and baddest villain of the series for having created Dexter in the first place. The new serial killer who scoops out parts of his victim's brains is, I think, just a plot device to bring Dr. Vogel into the picture and give her an excuse to hang around the police station. Dexter's discovery that he didn't have to be this way will come at a time when he finally wants to become human, to reconnect with Deb, whom he loves. He will finally come to understand that change is possible, and that he may even begin to change. While he hates Dr. Vogel for what she's done to him, he will prove to himself and to us that he has changed by declining to kill her when he has the opportunity. But Dexter's change will come too late for Deb, who will ultimately find herself forced to kill him, to put him out of what she believes to be his misery, and so that she can feel at peace for having killed the wrong person in the storage container. They've gotten an older actor to play Harrison, which signals that Harrison may actually have something to do this season. I think that over the course of the season, we will see Harrison beginning to echo Dexter's psychopathic tendencies. Perhaps he will kill a neighbour's pet, or create childlike drawings that look similar to the disturbed art that Dexter drew, or behave violently on the soccer field. After all, he saw his own mother die in much the same way Dexter had, at Trinity's hands. With Dexter dispatched, Deb will take custody of the troubled Harrison, and, in the series' final chilling scene, she will welcome the help and advice of the evil and unrepentant Dr. Vogel, not realising that Dr. Vogel is exactly who caused all the problems in the first place, and we will see that Dexter's worst nightmare will come true. The cycle will repeat itself. Thanks, Ari. Some great theories there. And you've gone a lot further than my thought that simply Vogel will help Dexter realise he's not a true psychopath. He's only been convinced that he's one and he's actually capable of coming out of it. We already had Dexter think to himself, albeit manifested as a conversation with Harry, so Harry said <laughs> that he was maybe wrong about Dexter. That's Dexter admitting to himself that he might have been mis misguided right from the off. I think this is going to be a season of change and discovery for him, but with a few obstacles in the way as we go, just to make sure it's not easy. I like your idea about Harrison. That certainly would explain why they went for an actor who is clearly older than the character, which is not unusual in TV, but would give them someone capable of doing a bit more than a four-year-old actor would. My own feeling, my own personal opinion, is that Harrison won't display any darkness. Yes, he was there when his mum was murdered, but he was so, so much younger than Dexter was. However, I do like your idea for the end of the show, with Deb taking in Harrison and having Vogel provide advice and support, not realising the impact Vogel had on Dexter's life. Before we go on into feedback for episode two, I need to get out of the studio. The temperature is ramping up in here and I need to relocate. Just bear with me a moment. Right, if I try not to get entangled in the brambles. We shall continue as I look out across green fields of wheat. 
standing amongst the trees that you'll have seen in the uh, the picture I posted of the mobile studio last year on the Facebook page. <laughs> Just so you can sort of picture the scene. Okay, your feedback for episode two. Firstly, let's quickly go through some of the comments left on the Facebook page. Mike Wilkerson from the Two Guys Talking Dexter podcast said, Love that they're not painting colour by numbers and taking us deeper. While Steph Barnett said, Seems like they're setting it up for Dexter to give up his killing ways. Meanwhile, Bob DeGrand from the Dexter cast said, I like the second episode quite a bit, and I absolutely love Evelyn Vogel's character and the backstory, Harry Videos. While I don't think the brain surgeon will amount to much, I think the final season has to revolve around Dexter and Deb. I find his kills very reminiscent of the ice truck killer, from his sending gag gifts to being off-camera during a video. The only thing I'm uncomfortable with is Quinn and Jamie fighting. I really don't want to see Quinn and Deb get back together. Marco Feely Chi, if I've pronounced that right. Sorry, Marco, if I haven't. <laughs> he says, when I saw that Vogel conveniently found the DVD, it came to my mind that she is the killer. I predict that she manipulated former patients to do the killings and then took the parts of the victim's brains herself. In my opinion, she does all this to manipulate Dexter. Under her influence, he plans to kill Deb, but realises that Vogel is the killer in the tenth episode and breaks her influence. I hope I'm not right, because this would be lame. Thanks, Marco. Interesting theory. Honestly, I'd be amazed if Dexter ever gave the slightest thought to killing Deb. I don't know what motive Vogel would have to influence him into doing it. Maybe to unburden himself from his past in order to move on with his life? But I really couldn't see Dexter entertaining that idea for a moment. He loves Deb, doesn't he? It's definitely possible that Vogel is behind the killings, though. I had an idea that maybe she came across Brian Moser at some point. Maybe tried to give him guidance, and obviously failed. Epic fail. Charlotte Rampling has said there is a reveal to come about Vogel. I don't think that's too much of a spoiler for it to say that. Because we can probably guess. <laughs> And, indeed, we can carry on guessing what that reveal might be. Mike Herkham said on Facebook, The Vogel storyline is really getting interesting as it appears to be going further into the Dr Frankenstein mother quality she seems to have towards him. And I'm also starting to think that Dex will decide to put down his knife for good, perhaps to spare Deb any more trouble. But Vogel may not make it a nice happy ending for him. Indeed, Mike, you might not be far from the truth there. Another comment on the Facebook page uh, was from Sandy Anderson, who says, Vogel seems suspicious, especially that whole scene with the intruder in the house, and then the DVD. But maybe they're just wanting us to think that... Sorry, I'll read that again. But maybe they're just wanting us to think that, because it all seems a little too obvious. I also get some of the season one vibes. That second body that was found, that concrete area and the whole setup seemed familiar. And all the playfulness... Overall, I just hope the main focus throughout is on Dex and Deb. I don't need a lot of extra stuff this season to distract me. I'm perfectly content for it to be less on the action and more on the character, but so far so good. Thanks, Sandy. I'm glad you've got the season one vibes too. And I'm with you there. I would much rather have more character stuff than action, really, at this stage. We don't really need all sort of tacked-on side stories to pad out the season and I felt that last season as well I could have done with I'd have been quite happy if it had been 75% Deb and Dex 
Linda Bennett commented, I was really glad to see Deborah not so crazy, like seeing some of the beginnings of Dexter. Janelle Gaylard said, love the slow burn. Dexter's emotional vulnerability grows. Whilst I love seeing his, whilst I love seeing this, I'm worried that it will be his undoing. Just unsure of Vogel's motives. Damn her. Dexter's concern for Deb is just so brotherly. There is real care and concern there. So much more than what he's shown in the past. I'm loving this season. Especially like the use of that narrow lane way again. Tension, tension, tension. Thanks everyone for your comments there. On to the email now. Um, Stephen Alice emailed in. Remember he was our first feedbacker of season 8 last week. Um, he didn't manage it this week but uh, emailed in with this to say. In true Dexter style, mystery and intrigue is the feature of this second episode as well as the downward spiral of Debs. She's sinking faster than the Titanic and it's only going to get worse, I think. It wouldn't surprise me if she's not only Dexter's downfall, but may go on and take over his mantle in light of her psychological profile. Food for thought. This week's episode is again set in the scene. Two questions, namely, who is killing these people and who shot Dr Vogel's patient? Are these two issues connected? Surely it couldn't be Dr Vogel. Does she control her patients? Hence why she has now turned up in Dexter's life all of a sudden? There is clearly more to the good doctor than meets the eye. Is she playing Dexter? Only other storyline this week is Quinn and Jamie. And as we didn't see her naked this week, then nothing else to talk about on that score. The series is simmering without really getting going yet. Thanks, Steve. Is Vogel linked to the brain surgeon? At the moment... It's looking reasonably likely, and for Dexter, they are setting it up to make us think she could be playing him. But that's why I think it'll end up with her being genuine. I could be wrong, though. Oh, fly in my ear. Get off. Off you go. <laughs> the trouble with <laughs> broadcasting from outside, amongst some trees, next to a field, in the middle of summer. Insects. <laughs> Hi, Gareth. This is Sandra. I wanted to share a few thoughts about episode two. Well, well, what a nice family. The serial killer son, the understanding mother, Bird, and the black sheep of the family, Deborah, totally out of control. Vogel is so proud of Dexter. She really believes she pointed him in the right direction, even though she sometimes wonders about his abnormal behavior. Abnormal for psychopaths, that is. Dexter wanting to share, wanting to connect, caring about others, even loving other people. When will she connect the dots and realize that he is indeed not a typical psychopath and that maybe she could have cured him? At the end of the episode, she's almost creepy when she hugs Dexter. <sighs> Last week, Deborah seemed very disturbed, but I never would have thought that she would kill again. That really, really surprised me. It seems that she wants to be punished for killing La Guerta. She does it to herself with drugs and alcohol. It appeared that she wanted to be shot by El Sapo, and she left her DNA on the crime scene. The new serial killer has some issues with Dr. Vogel. should be interesting to find out what unorthodox methods she used on him, and if Dexter really does take sides with her or finally turns on her as well. He might get rid of the killer and then finish the job himself. Had some fun with Batista this episode, so he still has papas and he knows exactly what happens at home, confronting Quinn with it. It was more of father-son 
in law talk than brotherly advice. Didn't he want him out of Miami last season, and now he's okay with him humping his sister? Hmm. Every time a skull is shown in two pieces, I have the mental image of a cut watermelon. Does anybody else? Well, for next week, I am predicting some family therapy. That should be fun. Have a nice sunny week, y'all. Thanks, Sandra. Yes, Deb's not a polished murderer like her brother is, is she? Carelessly leaving her DNA at the scene. Luckily for her, Dexter found it before his colleagues. You mentioned Batista. It was nice that he showed he's not an idiot. <laughs> not that we thought he was anyway. But he showed Quinn that they'd not pulled the wool over his eyes, and he knew very well that Quimmy was a real thing. I do question his judgment, though, when he encouraged Quinn to aim for Sergeant. Is he mad? <laughs> right, email from Sandy in Ireland. And she writes... Since last series finale, I've been watching Six Feet Under. Enjoying it, but it's weird seeing Michael C. Hall as a gay man. Can't see Dexter like that. But it's funny seeing him talk to dead people. No surprise, with Scott Buck being the creator of both shows. Also, small bit of news, Baby Robert came along last March. Was tough thinking up of a name. Jack, my husband, brought up the name Dexter. But, they, but then we thought of constantly saying, Yeah, we named him after a serial killer. But it's okay, he's only killed bad people. So this turned us off that name. On with this week's show. Enjoying the scenes with Dr Vogel and Dexter. This new serial killer has me thinking that the bad guy this year is actually Dr Vogel. But the writers are hardly going to go down this route again, are they? This thought popped into my head when she followed Dexter back into the house. Something didn't sit right with me. Plus Dr Vogel sounds like a James Bond villain. Thanks, Sandy. And congratulations. I assume Robert's your first. It's an amazing thing when you become a parent for the first time. I remember it vividly. <laughs> what a day. I always like to trawl out a quote from the film Lost in Translation. The day the first one is born, your life as you know it is gone, never to return. But they learn how to walk and they learn how to talk and you want to be with them and they turn out to be the most delightful people you will ever meet in your life. Nice line, that. I've always liked it, and it's so true. So true. Anyway, before I get too emotional, <laughs> it's great that you're enjoying Six Feet Under. I blitzed through it earlier this year and loved it. The series finale is one of the best finales of any show I've ever seen. Really wonderful and unique way to end a show. I totally bought Hall as David Fisher, even though I'd spent seven years with him as Dexter. It's credit to his amazing acting ability. Although Scott Buck wasn't the creator of Six Feet Under, that was Alan Ball who went on to develop True Blood as a show, although Scott Buck was certainly one of the writers. Sounds like you feel the same way about Vogel as many others. She's certainly suspicious, but then we've been trained to eye characters like this with suspicion. Like I said, I'm hoping she'll end up being for real. But who knows? My boy Dex is at it again. He came back week two. Uh, Silver Linings Playbook or uh, Silver Surfer or something like that directed by Michael C. Hall and I don't have a whole lot to say about this episode or at least rather I should clarify not a whole nothing original I don't have any wild thoughts or ideas about it I think uh, I mean it was it was a good episode and two episodes in I I guess I like where this is going uh, I think the fact that Deb murdered El Sapo I think that surprised nobody I know that there is some room for doubt that, like, oh, her mind was cloudy and stuff, but I, th I mean, I'm pretty sure 
she did it right. I mean, we even saw the um, the scrape on her arm when Dexter was talking to her at her house. But uh, the whole they spent around ten minutes or so goofing around like, oh, we have to find the guy who murdered El Sapo because Deb might be in danger. But I mean, who? Everyone knew it was Deb, right? I think so. I think that everybody's expecting there to be some sort of big twist with the brain surgeon killer, namely that it's going to be Dr. Vogel. I mean, that crossed my mind, too. And, yeah, I mean, it kind of seems like that'd be the case. Um, she seems very manipulative. I think think she is definitely a psychopath. There's that word. I mean, she's able to justify or mask her psycho, psychoticness, whatever you'd say, with, you know, academia and her clinical demeanor and stuff. But... I don't, I think, is it too obvious of a twist if she was the killer? I mean, what would her end game be? I don't know. I guess surely they'd explain that. But, I mean, we had a super obvious twist back in um, season six. So, I don't know. Maybe they'd do it again. I just feel like, you know, we've seen De- Dexter get manipulated by his quote-unquote friends before. And nowadays, we're so conditioned to be shocked by what we see on you know, TV to be really like blown away by it that, you know, maybe there's nothing that can truly surprise us anymore. Uh, another thing that's got, that went unnoticed, I believe all on the same night, Deb was drunk at her house. Dexter's out stalking and talking to Vogel and Jamie's about to go on a date with Quinn. Where the hell is Harrison? Is he unaccounted for again? Maybe, you know, the kid has grown up so fast between seasons. Maybe he's already old enough to stay home alone. We know Dexter's not the greatest judge of, this kind of stuff anyway, being a father. If I had to make a super-duper wild theory, I'd think, okay, maybe Dr. Bogle killed Harry. You know, I don't even believe that, really. But I guess what I really want to know is, like, if Harry had kept contact with Vogel, uh, even up until Dexter was killing already, that's way past, I by the time I thought uh, they'd be still be talking. But if he was contacting her since then, I mean, what would... What did Harry say, if anything, to Vogel about, you know, when he was trying to kill himself? We know he talked to Matthews right before he killed himself, but what did Vogel have to say about that? Uh, and I know that TV shows don't have any sort of obligation to, to like, not step on the toes of another show or anything like that. But I do think it was kind of a weird or maybe even a poor choice to include that song, Make Your Own Kind of Music. Gareth, I'm sure you know why I'm saying this, because that song is synonymous with one of the most beloved characters and plot twists from arguably the most beloved season of Lost, season two. That was a big song in Lost that our boy Desmond was into. So, I mean, obviously it was kind of nice. It's a great song. But I feel like um, maybe people weren't paying attention or maybe they just didn't give a fuck. I guess they don't, they're not obligated to care if Lost used this song or not, but I don't know. I wouldn't use it if I was choosing it. I feel like Lost already did that. Let's make a, a different song iconic. But I am intrigued by the storylines this season, even Quinn's. Obviously, I'm surprised that they pulled the trigger on Batista finding out and he don't really give a fuck. Quinn is being a big baby. You know, I don't want to grow up. I'm going to be a Lost boy forever or something like that. But uh, it seems like he's obviously, there's something going on. He, he's got feelings for Deb. The only hope is if that comes back into play, then maybe some... Maybe Quinn will remember all the stuff he just forgot in se- from season five about suspecting Dexter of being a murderer and stuff. So that could be really interesting. Uh, and then finally, I know you're looking for a name for Quinn and Jamie. I'm not entirely sure if that's going to happen because I think Quinn might go back to Deb. But, I mean, I think Jimmy is a great name for them. Jimmy. I mean, try it out. It sounds great. Jimmy. Hey, what's going on with Jimmy this week? Or did you hear that Jimmy boned this week? Yeah, I saw Jimmy boning in the back. Try it on for size, man. Let me know what you think. Thanks, Travis. But sorry, I had to edit that a little bit to remove your comment about something coming up. 
It's something we talked about on the preview podcast, so it is out there, but not everyone will have heard that to deliberately avoid knowing too much about the season. So um, I thought it best to take it out. But between you and me, my response to that comment is, yes, about 11. (laughs) I'm joking. Dr Vogel, yes, there are a lot of us who agree that Vogel's being positioned in a place of suspicion. And it does seem too obvious for us to think that she's got some direct involvement with the brain surgeon or could even be the killer herself. But then we've been here before with Geller, as you say. I just hope that it's not a big anticlimax when it's revealed she's the killer and most of us roll our eyes at having foreseen this. Surely they've got to have something more up their sleeve. But then, if they do, it still needs to be something with impact to mean something in this final season. But you're right. Audiences are so much smarter nowadays. We've all seen big twists in shows before that it's hard to trick everyone. I really want to be surprised, though. Don't we all? (laughs) And we've got another instance of Harrison being unaccounted for. Jamie busy, Dexter busy, Deb busy. Where is the little guy? And the song you mentioned, Make Your Own Kind of Music, I do remember it from Lost. I wonder if that's the link. Deb telling Dexter he's lost, so they use a song from Lost. I did see somewhere online that Make Your Own Kind of Music is an episode title from later this season. No idea what it means, and I don't want to know, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's a spoiler really to um, mention that here. On to an email now from Jacob Newman, who writes to say, I'd like to make an observation about episode one first. This has been nagging at me for over a week. After Dexter kills Briggs and Deb tells him that she's calling the police, on his way out of the room, Dexter takes a couple of tissues, presumably to wipe Briggs' blood off his hands. I know that he sees his car door open and panics because Harrison is missing, but I think that he's still had time to use the tissues to at least begin wiping the blood off his hand. Is this bothering anyone else, or am I just picking nits? I realise that it's important to tell the story that he has blood on his hand to transfer to Harrison's dog, then why did the writers have him take the tissues in the first place? Maybe it's me. Had to get that off my chest. Uh, Jacob goes on to talk about his suspicions about Vogel, like so many viewers have, before he says, As an aside, I enjoyed seeing James Remar as an alive Harry and from someone else's point of view besides Dexter's. It adds more more context to the struggle he went through when he saw his son's emerging psychopathic tendencies. It was not an easy decision for him to give Dexter a code to live by, and he must have talked to someone about it. A professional that he knew and trusted and would keep things confidential, such as Dr Vogel, is a logical choice. As a plane goes over. (laughs) It's interesting that when Dexter speaks to Harry in his mind, Harry is almost always calm and unemotional, the voice of reason, yet the real Harry certainly had emotions and was on the verge of tears when he consulted with Dr Vogel. It's getting louder. Can you still hear me? Tumpty tumpty tum. Just amuse yourselves for a minute as another one goes over. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter Live from somewhere in the North Yorkshire countryside. Unedited. <laughs> this goes on much longer, I'm going to have to. Bugger off! Damn, look at yourself. You're lost. 
Dissecting Dexter podcast. Sorry about that. <laughs> to conclude Jacob's email, finally. <laughs> the other interesting thing for me, he says, about this episode is that the writers chose not to show Deborah killing El Sapo. They let Dexter figure it out. Also, Deborah does not have a clear memory of it. Is she evolving into a psychopathic serial killer? She is tied with Dexter for kills this season. Will she kill more people than Dexter does? Has she snapped? Thanks, Jacob. The blood last week bothered me too. He took the tissues, I thought, to prevent his fingertips showing on the door handle, and also, I assumed, to clean his hands. But then he saw Harrison gone, and I think he forgot about wiping for a minute. Then the blood got on the toy dog, which we saw him washing under the tap later. But if that stuff soaked in, I mean, I don't know how long it took him to drive home. I don't know what the journey time is from Fort Lauderdale to Miami. Um, but it can't be that quick. I imagine the blood had dried. That's not going to come out, is it? So cold water won't do the job. It may be a loose end, but you'd not expect Dexter to leave that sort of thing lying around. If he could, he'd be best binning it and buying Harrison a new one. As for Deb, she was no doubt suffering from the red mist of anger when she shot that guy. They didn't show her killing him at the time for dramatic effect, so... We could have Dexter figure it out and provide a small shock for us, knowing that she committed another murder. Who'd have guessed that she and Dex would be tied for kills after two episodes? I don't know if we've seen her last kill. I just hope she finds a glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel before she goes too far down this path. On to an email from Tom in Poland who says, I'm not sure what to think about this Vogel character. This whole thing seems kind of cheap, so to speak, writing-wise. That plastic bag... In the crime scene, so in plain view. Seriously? Overall, I feel like it was merely okay. I'm not hooked very much on it. Thanks, Tom. Hi, Gareth. It's Ian from Bristol here. I want to talk briefly about Dexter Series 8, Episode 2. On to Debs. I, I don't think she killed the hitman in the car. I think she was concussed by, by him earlier, and she just stumbled onto the crime scene after it had happened. She didn't have a gun with her because uh, the hitman took it, so she can't have shot him. And I think she just left a bit of the crime scene as she checked out to see what was going on. Um, and if she's concussed, she obviously wouldn't remember anything. So the question is, who did kill him? And what happened to the stolen jewellery? That one's going to run on a little, a little bit, I think. On to Vogel. Who broke into Vogel's house and left the seedy evidence there and why? The evidence showed a gloved hand holding the gun. Now, normally in TV shows, identities are hidden when we tend to already know who the person is. So it's likely that it's someone we've, we've already seen or we're going to see very soon. At this point in, in every Dexter series, I normally predict that Matthews is the killer. So why not this time as well? Uh, moving on to Dexter. Um, I thought he was quickly coerced into following Vogel's directions. She's, she's manipulating him very well. I don't know how realistic that is. Um, he's, he tends to, to push back when people try and try and get him to do things he doesn't really want to do. So I, I don't know what, what's going on there. Um, I don't know what the end game she's got planned for him either. Um, is there someone that she wants Dexter to kill for her? Is she trying to set all this up to get Dexter to, to do what she wants? Uh, is she drawing him in? don't know. 
Uh, I wonder if she has other Dexters that she's manipulated into killing for her as well. Uh, a great line from, from Masuka when Debs returned back to Miami Metro. If I were to cop a feel right now, it wouldn't be sexual harassment anymore. Masuka is getting some better lines this, this season, using a little bit more, but it's still still terribly underused. So in kind of summary, um, I don't think this, this episode had the lightness of touch of, of episode one. It's a lot more workmanlike, and it got moved the story along a little bit. Um, my feeling for this series is that Dexter is going to realise that Vogel uh, manipulated Harry and Dexter, and in fact she created Dexter's Dark Passenger, if you like. She was his Dr Frankenstein or, or his mother. I think there's going to be a realisation that if she'd handled things differently, perhaps more professionally, Dexter could have been a normal person. But she used Dexter as an experiment, maybe, to see what if she could create a serial killer. Uh, perhaps she has others as well, some failed experiments. Perhaps that's the one doing all the killing. We don't know. OK, thanks for the podcast, Gareth, and hopefully speak to you again next week. Bye-bye. Thanks, Ian. You're the first person to suggest that Deb didn't kill El Sapo. She certainly did take some bumps and might have been concussed, yet she was having these flashbacks and it looked like she was using the same sort of gun taken from her, which we know was lying in the car at the time, so how could she have got it? Unless she had a second one somewhere. But would she have these memory flashbacks a day later when she was with Quinn? It would be interesting if they were just false memories, but my own feeling is that it's another stage of Deb going further off the rails and then making threats that it might not be the last person she kills. Interesting theory, though, and we can't discount it. Vogel coercing Dexter. He did go off to find Sussman quite easily. He did try to resist, saying things like, I don't take requests. But remember she had that video of Harry talking directly about Dexter killing, and she implied she could use it as leverage, so I think Dexter went with it for that reason. And that's a pretty good theory that the brain surgeon is one of Vogel's failed experiments. On the face of it, it would seem to be the theory of choice at the moment. Thanks again, Ian. On to an email from Alex in NYC, who says, I've read a couple of posts here and there from some viewers saying they're bored, or they're not feeling it. It doesn't seem like a dominant opinion by any stretch, but it's there. I guess in comparison to last season's first few episodes, this is a slow burn, but it's hard to rival season 7's first four or five episodes if your measure is how much cathartic intensity can be dumped into your system at once. Season 8 feels more about consequence and responsibility. It's the season where all seeds planted in times gone by finally bear fruit, be it good or bad. As a result, I find myself not just looking at all the players as human and with a good deal of sympathy, but also assuming they have the best intentions at heart. After all, what's the thematic point of subterfuge or final, a final double-cross when the end times are upon us? Vogel, for example, comes across fairly shady and furtive, but I suspect that's a misdirect, and she's being more or less up front. I don't see her as the secret villain or the brain surgeon's puppet master. If anything, she's mirroring Dexter's final arc seeing her legacy, bearing witness to her life's work in both Dexter and the surgeon. I like to think she might experience a few moments of regret, regret when she sees that Dexter's not quite the psychopath she thought, she, she thought he was. To keep with the children's fable that almost served as the source material's title, if Harry serves as a Jiminy Cricket to Dexter, then I suppose Vogel might be his blue fairy. 
there to tell Dexter he's a real boy after all, before making her exit. And I like Elway too. His scenes with Deb didn't set off any alarms to me. He just seemed like a good, friendly boss. He sees and appreciates Deb's talent, wants her to live up to her potential, is concerned for her safety. Hell, he even tries to keep her hydrated. I liked the lightness of the scene with them in Briggs's apartment. It was as if, for just a moment, the pleasant breeze of a buddy cop dynamic blew through our dark and heavy narrative. Even that dumb scumbag Briggs is... Scumbag Briggs from last episode was at times a nice guy who wanted to protect Deb. Even El Sapo, a hitman for Pete's sake, seemed to possess a small degree of mercy and humanity. Not that I blame Deb for lighting him up, though. Clap back, Debbie, clap back. Speaking of her, I won't say much on the subject of Deborah, as I suspect other people will have plenty to unload. I'll just note that watching a scene where a man directs a brutal beating of a character played by his ex-wife feels funny both funny haha and funny queer, to gently quote Slingblade. So I guess my watchword for the moment is pity. Pity for all the terrible things and horrible revelations coming to all of these strangely sympathetic characters as their little universe collapses into itself. Even if they deserve it, I don't especially look forward to their getting it. Thanks, Alex. Good comments again that I can only agree with. I had to laugh at your final comment. You'll know the one. But again, I've left it out for the same reason I did with Travis. But Travis, mate, Alex's comment would have met with your wholehearted approval. And um, if you drop me a line, <laughs> I'll gladly share it with you. But unfortunately, for um, slight minor spoilers sake, I've had to leave it out. So sorry, Alex. But thanks for your email. A voicemail now from Deanna in Alberta, Canada. Hi, Gareth. I just finished watching Every Silver Lining. And even though it's only episode two, I'm really loving this season so far. I'm glad Dexter's back, although it's the beginning of the end. Um, I think the story's kind of come to a point where it's time for a satisfying conclusion, and I hope the writers keep on track with what they're doing. Um, what I'm liking about the season so far is the feelings I'm getting are a lot like season one, where we're getting some of that past history to Dexter revealed why is he the way he is and uh, so kind of like Brian Moser Dr. Vogel's filling in that past history that that we don't know about um, I don't trust her a hundred percent she's a bit mysterious she's got a dark side um, saying that she used unorthodox and illegal methods to treat psychopaths um, colors her dark but um, it'll be fascinating to see where her relationship with Dexter goes. Um, that hug she gave her at the uh, she gave Dexter at the end. You could just see all that release in him and that acceptance and how important that acceptance is for Dexter. In the past, he's gotten close to characters and done a lot for other characters um, because of their acceptance of him. Sorry, I was just kind of interrupted by some thunder and lightning, <laughs> kind of an afternoon thunderstorm here. A little like your mobile studio there, Gareth. Um, I think the only other thing I kind of wanted to point out was I really enjoyed watching Deb's reactions to seeing those photographs of the murder she'd committed. It's very much the way I would expect a normal person to react when faced with those pictures. I... We see Dexter all the time looking at pictures of death, and it doesn't seem to have that much of a reaction on 
for him. But Deb obviously went into kind of a crazy place there. And I think that would be a normal person's reaction. And, and we got a little bit of that too with Dr. Vogel when they were watching that video. Um, when the man came up from behind with the, with the gun and Dexter just sort of walked away from the screen after seeing the man shot where her reaction hurt was surprise, gasp and covering her mouth. And I think I like that you could see what a, a normal person's reaction would be to seeing death and blood. And we don't often see other people's reactions to that. So I, that was kind of an interesting bit for me as well. Anyway, I know you do a great dissection of the episode, so I won't go on any further. And I look forward to your next podcast. Bye. Thanks, Deanna. Love the background noises of the weather. <laughs> I'm with you there about the season one vibes. Sandy on Facebook felt like that too. It's good. I'm all for it. These subtle nudges, rather than hitting us over the head with reference. That hug at the end was impactful, wasn't it? Dexter's never had a mother figure like this before. He could easily get overtaken by his desire to have someone like this to lean on. And it could lead to trouble, of course. <laughs> good observation about Vogel's reaction to the last video. It looked genuine as she put her hand over her mouth, the sort of genuine shock any normal person might display. But if other people's theories are correct, if she is a psychopath or has psychopathic tendencies, she would be a good actor, a master of manipulation, a good liar, etc, etc. On to an email from Mike Lanich, who says, Two episodes down, and I have to say, things are getting twisted, creepy and downright frightening on Dexter with this week's episode. The title sounds like it's part of the proverb, every silver lining has a cloud, meaning that even when things are going well, something bad is on the horizon. We started off with a wonderful revelation of Harry's early years caring for Dexter via an 80s recorded therapy session between Harry and Vogel. It was startling to see Harry cry during the session. He appeared to be hanging by a thread by the prospect of what Dexter was becoming, and it immediately, immediately threw out the notion that the code was created by Harry with deadly cold logic. Vogel helped create the code, and in her words, create Dexter. The Vogel and Dexter storyline has me hooked because it gives us a link and information on Dexter's early years as well as the fact that it creates a complex relationship for Dexter to explore. Vogel views Dexter as a spiritual son, and yet something about her seems off. She appears to understand serial killers so well that I have no doubt she can manipulate them easily, and she seems to be doing some of that with Dexter. Is she setting up a clash between two alpha walls for her own amusement? Was she the one holding Sussman at gunpoint behind the camera to force him to do a dirty work, like Jordan Chase did? She has an agenda that we don't know about. Whether it's good or bad for Dexter remains to be seen, but I think we can all agree that she didn't come back just to ask some help from a boy or man she never met. I wonder what Vogel thought when Dexter commented on wanting someone to talk to after Harry died. She looked surprised and said that most serial killers don't do that. Meanwhile, Deb has gone darker than even I thought possible. It's one thing to be snorting massive amounts of coke and other drugs, and another to murder someone in cold blood. What makes this all the more chilling is despite the fact that El Sapo kicked her ass a few minutes earlier, he took her gun and was sitting defenceless in his car when she apparently shot him. But wait, the gun. El Sapo just took her gun. Did she have another stashed on her? Or did she go to a car, calmly grab the backup and walk all of the way over to his car and kill him? If so, that speaks of calm, rational thought. 
She says she remembers almost nothing, so either she's lying, has a concussion, or was pretty damn high at the time. All are possible. But what makes this so much worse is that LaGuerta's shooting was under duress, and she had to choose Dexter or her boss-slash-enemy. But this had none of the conflict, and it makes her decision a much worse one in the end. I'm really interested to see where they take Vogel. I'm just hoping it's not something obvious, like she's the mastermind behind the killings, because if it were true, it would be pretty obvious and another Geller reveal level letdown. I'm hoping for something much more complex and full of complications and grey area morally. All actors are doing extraordinary work, but Jennifer Carpenter is again providing us with scene after scene of award-worthy work. The Academy needs to right a serious wrong this year. Thanks, Mike. Hear, hear, on that last point. (laughs) The Harry videos were very enlightening. Seeing him react in such an emotional way was perfectly natural, that of any parent discovering such horrifying things about their child. Deb and the gun. It is possible that she had one in an ankle holster, perhaps, or maybe another in her car. But you're right about the calculated nature of what she did if she did have time to think about it, go back to her car and get her backup weapon, and then walk over to where he parked his car. Her path continues to get darker, and I really fear for her. I really do. She could have taken some tips from realising how Dex has operated all this time and taken to lying. Time will tell, though, won't it? On to another email now from Tim in Australia. can hear that. It's a buzzard. (laughs) North Yorkshire's nature, live on Dissecting Dexter. (laughs) Not for the first time in the podcast history. Sorry, Tim says, not a bad episode this week. My predictions last week, re Dr. Vogel slash Frankenstein, are all looking on the money. I really do think that the writers are introducing this creator of Dexter to partially absolve him of guilt in the eyes of the audience. I still think this is being done to soften our view of him and elicit some audience sympathy. The obvious reason for this is to provide less shitty fate for him at the end of the season. On the other hand, maybe they will kill him off and will look at his life as a tragedy, especially in light of this kooky doc having messed with him as a kid. Deb's journey is interesting. She's totally off the rails, though I think Dex is slowly starting to get through to her. I still think the doc will somehow help bring her back from the brink. Looking good so far, though I do have some reservations about this Doc Vogel character. It has a whiff of a soap opera development, the way Dex's long-lost creator has suddenly just turned up. Also, what's with Harry? An experienced cop letting her tape his conversations with her, where he discusses letting his son kill people? That's ridiculous. I hope they mention that it was a hidden camera. Thanks, Tim. I think Dexter's life already is a tragedy. (laughs) He was never born like this, he never invited it. We know his history, how he was guided this way, and I think you're right. Knowing just how much he was guided, and that it wasn't just Harry, but also a psychologist who saw a chance to experiment, it does leave us feeling extra sympathy for him. I do still see Dexter dying at the end. Just my gut feeling. And if he spends the season realising he could actually have a chance of stopping killing, the tragedy will be all the greater. Good point about the camera in those consultations. Was it hidden? Or was Harry, a police officer, silly enough to discuss these sorts of things on camera and trust the whole doctor-patient confidentiality thing? 
Okay, thanks everybody for your feedback this week. Some great stuff as always. If you want to get in touch with me, you can. The listener lines in the US and probably Canada as well, actually. Uh, it is 646-222-6122. In fact, if you dial internationally, I'm sure you could get through to that line. In fact, you can. I've tested it from the UK. Uh, but in the UK, we do have our own number. It's 844 Five seven nine six nine four nine, and with this number you enter mailbox ID zero eight three two zero when the voice prompts you, or like so many of you do, you use email, where you can also send an MP three voice recording or any other sort of voice recording format. Email it to dissecting dexter, all one word, dissecting dexter at gmail dot com. You can also get in touch with me via Twitter. It's at dissect dexter, or my personal Twitter, which is at gareth underscore uk. And there's a Facebook page. Go onto Facebook, search for Dissecting Dexter, and Bob's your uncle. Well, that's episode two of the final season. And we're left with some very interesting questions. What's going to happen with Dexter and Vogel? Can she be trusted? Does she have any direct responsibility for these murders we've been seeing, the brain surgeon? What's she got to do with that, if anything? Is Deb going to continue to go off the rails even further? Has she not hit rock bottom yet? Is she going to kill anybody else? And most importantly, will Quinn and Jamie patch things up? Well, for answers to these questions, and no doubt asking some more questions... <laughs> We're going to have to wait and see until next week, and probably beyond. But I hope you'll join me again next week when we'll dissect some more Dex, dissect some more Dexter together. Until then, take care, guys. Thanks as always for your support. Bye for now.